Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh. How can entrepreneurs balance doing good with doing business? In this week's episode, we will hear from new Roosevelt trustee, J.C. Gonzalez-Mendez, whose leadership philosophy is all about integrity. J.C. is a passionate and personable entrepreneur who has worked across geographies, languages, and cultures. J.C. started his career as the first employee of McDonald's Corporation in Mexico. He rose in the organization to become Senior VP of Global Corporate Social Responsibility, Sustainability, and Philanthropy, and headed Ronald McDonald House Charities as President and CEO. In 2016, J.C. founded GM Integritas Consulting. We spoke to J.C. about his time with the Golden Arches, his social justice engagement, and his goals as Roosevelt University trustee. Enjoy. J.C., welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Ali. You started your career at McDonald's as the company's first employee in Mexico. Oh, amazing. Tell us a little bit about your background and that leadership journey through McDonald's. Sure, Ali. Uh, I have been very lucky, but I define luck as a dividend of sweat, or better yet, the intersection of preparation with opportunity. I was born in Mexico City. I am the second of seven children, born in a somewhat atypical family in the middle class in that country. And I say atypical because my dad died when I was two and a half. And my mom was a widow at the early age of 30 and had to fend for herself and her three children with a fourth one on the way. Thankfully, years later, mom found love again and married the man that I considered not only my hero, but my father. Two additional brothers and sister were born, and I refused to call them stepbrothers or stepsister because I changed their diapers. So that should give me good brotherhood. Good for you, yeah. (laughs) I was the first one to go to college and the only one to go away from home. I graduated with a degree of biochemical engineering with minors in marine sciences and food technology. When McDonald's was planning on opening restaurants in Mexico, They were looking for somebody that had a food tech background, which I did, and knew a little bit of English, which I did not. (laughs) But my boss was Cuban, so I faked it for the first six months. (laughs) I was indeed the first employee of McDonald's Mexico, and years later, I eventually became the first Mexican president of McDonald's Mexico, president of Latin America, and chief supply chain officer of McDonald's Corporation, controlling something like $11 billion worth in purchases. But all those moves were not an accident. I did have a plan. I always knew that I wanted to be an officer of the company. 
And quite frankly, I did not know what that meant. I just saw people that made decisions and people would follow them. And I wanted that. I wanted to lead. Because I had that end in mind, it was very easy for me to make some very tough decisions along the way. I saw that executives that were at the helm had an operations background and I was in purchasing. So I decided to leave everything dealing with owners of big companies buying a million dollars worth of goods and services a day at the early age of 28. And I went into the restaurants. Mm-hmm. I put the short sleeve and the tie and became a manager, trainee, second assistant, first assistant, restaurant manager. Then I was a trainer and then eventually an operations manager uh, for about three years. Sounds easy. It fits in one little sentence, but that, that's over a thousand days that I went back about 12 positions on my, on the uh, scale of, of, of responsibility at McDonald's. It was important. business from ground up. Uh, absolutely. It was important for me to understand the business. Yeah. And then when I found myself making important financial decisions at the tune of about $20 million a year, I decided that I need to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So I got an MBA at the University of Southern California, and I don't regret it one bit. It was a part-time because I needed to keep the job. I, I had uh, two and a half children at the time, and I needed to uh, make ends meet. You see, I've learned, Ali, that the road to success is a toll road. You have to pay your dues to get on it. Yeah. But we should also realize that the greater the obstacles we face, the more grandiose our accomplishments will be. And the only limitation to our success is our own selves. Yeah. I think it was Henry Ford who said, if you think you can, but if you think you can't, it really doesn't matter. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and JC, I want you to go back on the day that you heard about a decision that now you're the president of the Mexico operation on McDonald's. Talk to me a little bit about your feeling on that day. So it was absolutely a day to celebrate. I was extremely proud because both my parents were in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Mexico. And I have finally come back after all the sacrifices of working at the restaurants, something that my mom did not like, by the way. (laughs) She sent me to the most expensive school in Mexico. And she said, I sent you to that school for you to be cleaning bathrooms and flipping burgers. Yes. Eventually, she realized that it was well worth the effort. So it was a sentiment of elation. It was a sentiment of accomplishment. It was, I was the very first Mexican president of the company. I opened restaurant number one and opened restaurant number 250. So he gave me the opportunity to talk to my people about, yes, you can. Si se puede. There's an opportunity for you if you apply yourself, if you do the things that you need to do, if you keep your nose clean and you live by your values and principles, you can succeed. So it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life to have been able to go back to Mexico and take the helm in front of mom and dad. That was was a way to thank them. Uh, Of course, of course. And then, you know, fast forwarding to 2012, you once again changed career course, became the president and CEO of Ronald McDonald House Charities, the company's global philanthropic organization. Talk about that transition. Uh, That was, without a doubt, the best job in the company and something that I aspired to for a very long time. 
when Don Thompson was elevated to the role of president and CEO of McDonald's, I was the president of Latin America at the time. And after a very successful year, and he was giving me my performance review, I told him, listen, this is a great training ground for future leaders. Uh, if you need me to do something else, I'll do whatever you want. When he was elevated to president and CEO, he wanted to bring to life the brand ambition of good food being served by good people by being a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. And he created a brand new position, the chief global corporate social responsibility, sustainability, diversity and inclusion, community engagement, as well as the philanthropic arm of McDonald's. And as part of that deal, he wanted me to run Ronald McDonald House Charities globally. It was certainly an exciting part of my career with McDonald's. Who does not like to help people like it? Yeah. Having the might of an enterprise the size of McDonald's and the blessing from a leader like Don Thompson was nothing short of exhilarating. We had the power to change the world, we thought. The challenge, you asked? At the beginning of my new job, we scouted the world looking for initiatives that helped the community at large. Mm -hmm. Because doing good at McDonald's is part of their DNA. There were over 120 pages of initiatives that could be recognized as good community efforts. However, we had no concerted effort. I explained it as there's a lot of good music being played around McDonaldland, but we're just not playing the same tune. Mm -hmm. And those efforts are not resonating with our consumers. Wow. How do you align the efforts of 120 countries so that the efforts are multiplied? Easier said than done. When the company embraces entrepreneurship but individuality. However, we succeeded. The current sustainability framework was born then and something that makes me extremely proud today to see all of the things they're doing. Yeah. My association with Ronald McDonald House Charities runs very deep. I have served in several board chapters in LA, in Mexico, in Latin America. Obviously, my role as the president and CEO of Global Charity was the pinnacle. Few people know the size and scope of RMHC. You see, in 2015, my last year, we raised over $540 million around the world helping over 6 million children throughout almost 400 Ronald McDonald houses, 189 Ronald rooms, and 50 care mobiles. The organization is supported by over 375,000 volunteers around the globe. That is amazing. That is amazing. Now, I know that in your association and in this job specifically, you ran into the powerhouse of Roosevelt University, Patricia Harris. <laughs> well, I, I actually have known... Pat, Pat for over three decades. Okay. Uh, and, and Pat has been not only a great friend, but a great mentor. And we worked together many, many years. She worked, she says she worked for me. No, but uh, Pat doesn't work for anybody. Uh, uh, we work together. Right. Pat works for everybody, yeah. not anybody. Yeah. I mean, she, she has a way of making people comfortable. Absolutely. What the relationship is that is just phenomenal. Correct. Now, you know, today in, you know, different topic, uh, in 2020, many corporations uh, become more vocal about issues such as racial and environmental justice. Uh, Jay-Z, now how can companies successfully balance doing good while doing their business? 
You have done that before. To talk to me a little bit about that. Well, it's certainly not easy. However, it needs to happen. Companies cannot subsist unless they do this. And the only way this can happen is with the communities around the globe demanding the change. Today, it is not enough for companies to employ people, sell products, pay taxes to be a successful enterprise and be viewed as a good citizen. Today's consumers expect corporations to be the catalyst for societal as well as environmental changes. It does not matter if the company is part of the problem or not. People expect companies to be part of the solution. Companies need to find the strategies that drive their business results and also have a positive impact in society or the environment. That intersection of those two is the sweet spot, and it can be done. No, that's exactly what we expect as consumers from our corporate leaders. And, uh, you know, you, you're talking about the sweet spot. Now, in your consulting business now, which is named Integritas, Latin word for integrity. So, obviously, integrity shaped your perspective as a leader. Talk to me a bit about that. To me, integrity is everything. Mm-hmm. I have a set of values and principles that have guided me during my life, personally and professionally. I don't subscribe to the notion that there's two different sets of values. What you do at home has nothing to do uh, at work. I do not subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. If you don't think your personal life has any impact on your professional life, ask Tiger Woods. <laughs> right. How, how strong are your convictions on the values? Are you willing to defend them? at all costs. And the values are not just written up. They must be lived by. And the closer our actions are to our values we preach, the cleaner and transparent our image is. Transparency is extremely important. What you see is what you get. I've always said it. What you say is what you do, and what you do is what you say. Because what you do is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. See, well, I was thinking about the name of my consulting company, my middle daughter, a bilingual special ed teacher, just uh-huh. told me, Dad, what's the most important thing for you? Mm-hmm. Integrity, I said. Well, there you have it. So I decided to call it GM Integritas Consulting. No, hey, makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Now, you know, you have served on several organizations, major organizations, boards, councils, and... Talk to me about a successful Latino business leader serving on these boards and how do you see us as a nation going forward with the significant Latino-Hispanic population, Latinx population that we have? See, I truly believe that the price of leadership is responsibility. Mm -hmm. I have always been an advocate for those who don't have a voice. And I know that it is extremely important to share our success stories with others. We must become an inspiration for others. Now, specifically for Latinos in the country, you know, there's over 52 million Latinos, almost 17% of the population. And what 47 million of them are U.S. citizens, we're treated as second-class citizens. We're often viewed negatively in public opinion and stereotyped in the media. However, Latinos possess the values identified as the values 
that are considered typically American. Great loyalty to family, strong religious faith, very strong work ethic. And during patriotism, did you know that over 20% of casualties in Vietnam and Iraq wars were lost Hispanic lives? Remember, we only represent 17% of the population now. By the right. way, some of those enlisting soldiers were not even U.S. citizens. Right. Yes. Exactly. Did you know that Mexican-Americans have the greatest proportion of Congressional Medals of Honor winners of any identifiable ethnic group? Wow. See, I want to be that voice that reminds us all of the incredible value that Latinos bring to this country. I can talk about this for hours. So don't <laughs> get me started, Ali. We'll do this some other time. And we will do follow-ups on some of this information because it's really terrific for our students, our faculty, all constituencies, alumni to hear from a board member in this regard. Now, let's shift a little bit about, you know, again, your new role in the Roosevelt community. You agreed to join our board, which for which we're grateful. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your first impression of Roosevelt Universities and what impact you would like to make as a new trustee. So I have always been a champion of education because I believe that education is the greatest equalizer. Now, when you find an institution that not only acknowledges the social injustices, but tries to be a catalyst for change, you can't ask for anything more. The mission of Roosevelt University of promoting mutual understanding, inclusion, social consciousness, and action towards social justice are ideals that I can subscribe to. So I hope that I can be a good sounding board for you, for faculty and other trustees, but quite frankly, I want to become a mentor, a champion of the students. I want to engage with them and maybe serve as an example of the importance of values and a great education to live a successful life. Yeah, and I go back to your analogy of a toll road. Our students need to hear that you need to pay the toll as you keep getting on the highway to success. Exactly, and how much work it takes, and but also integrity, also that your word is your contract, is not doesn't have to, you know, the handshake that in your culture is important. Absolutely. And breaking bread with somebody is more important than what you write down in a you know hundred page contract. Correct. Well, you know, I'm really grateful for that. Tell me what your message is to our students as we bring our discussion to a close. Uh, we have a pivotal vote coming up for the future of our nation. Please uh, tell me what would be your message to our students regarding their vote. So first and foremost, you need to vote. I lived in this country for 20 years before I became a U.S. citizen and I could not vote. I paid taxes for 20 years, but I could not vote because I had not become a U.S. citizen. Because for me to do that, I had to resign to my Mexican nationality. And I was not about to do that. The law changed after Prop 187 in California, forced my kids who were born in America to be questioned about their nationality. Forced my kids not to have access to education. The, the law changed and that's when I could vote. I've already voted for this election because I think it's extremely important for us to make our voices heard. Today, this is probably the most important election of our history. And the future of this country depends 
on us being heard or not. Absolutely. And, you know, I have voted as well already and sent my ballot in and I got confirmation in the email that it, we got it and it will count, which is what I wanted to hear. And I will give you a little anecdote from a few years back. NPR was doing a a program on voting in India and they go to this dusty village, middle of nowhere, and it's hot summer. People are in long lines attempting to vote. And the NPR reporter goes to this real elderly woman and says, Mother, tell me why you're standing in line in this heat to vote. And, you know, after translation, it was, look, I don't have a home. My children are gone. I have no positions in life. But I have a vote. That's powerful. That is powerful. And for me, uh, also an immigrant, that's it. Correct. Correct. JC, thank you so much for joining me with the, for this discussion. And I'm sure we will have more conversations in, in the near future as you get settled and acculturated to Roosevelt University and we benefit from your experience and your worldview. I truly appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to it. Go vote. And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.